go broadcasting from Atlanta, Georgia on Rock Radio UK, the Blues Channel. You are now live from the Midnight Circus. This is Lahamadu, and I've got a great show for you today. Today, our featured artist is Peter Veska and Blues Train. They got a brand new release out. We'll be listening to tracks from that. And of course, we'll be talking with Peter at the top of the hour. You're not going to want to miss that interview. Now, this is the voice of Indie Blues. This is the show that brings you nothing but currently touring artists who are out there creating new, original music rooted in the blues. We embrace the diversity of music that always has and still is being created from those roots. Now, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingascene.org. We got some great articles, CD reviews, artist interviews, podcasts, and so much more. In the meantime, I have got some great new music I know you're going to love. And of course, I aim to misbehave. She's got it made Everything's smooth and she's quite alright Till the cars across the street are parked all night She'll be staring out the window for hours at a time Now she's for sure that someone dropped the dime Well she heads to the kitchen to dispose of the scene Grabs a few clothes, fills her bags up with green The Camaro out back, better be filled to the top Cause she's cleaning out tonight before she gets popped She got the bag in the back See this alright, cars already running and she leaving tonight. She got the bag in the back. See this alright, she's all alone. She lives in a house right on the beach. Twelve thousand square feet She waits for his car Well, all day long He's working out late and won't be home The dishes in silver He says better shine The laundry basket seems to be the center of town The smell of perfume That she knows isn't hers And she breaks all the china And burns all the fuss She got the bag in the back See, that's alright Car's already running And she's leaving tonight She got the bag in the back See this alright She's all alone She's working for the man for too damn long Writing and typing and answering phones But 30 minute lunch of five days a week Won't say a word unless they say speak Well the day has come and they're 
screen and kiss my ass You got the bag in the back See this alright Cars already running Unless you're leaving tonight You got the bag in the back See this alright She's alone She got the bag in the back She got the bag moment you realize, how could there possibly be this many blues? Leave the shore, sail away, say goodbye to yesterday, searching for adventure on your own. Wanderlust, different place, new beginnings, time and space, trying to get wherever you Everything I do leads me back to the middle of nowhere Get there. 
friends left long ago You see there's something they don't know It's that old familiar pain
get rid of those jerks. Come on, come on, let's do our thing. Then you'll know what your vote can bring. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote. You got the go cat, go cat, get out and vote. feeling
Love 
start changing now
artist or a fan that loves them making a scene.org is the place for you for the music fan we bring you in-depth interviews and cd reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music for the independent artist we bring you articles on music business recording techniques gear reviews and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution. And now, here's an Indie Blues double shot from our featured artist today, Peter Veska and the Blues Train. And stay tuned for that interview. It comes up right after these songs.
without you by my side and if I found you here beside me I know won't be sad and blue when I woke up girl this morning
was Peter Vitesca from his brand new release, and we got Peter on the line right now. Hey, Peter, how are you? How you been? I'm I'm fine. I'm doing great, actually. How you doing, Richard? Good I'm to doing from you again. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. It's been a while since the last time we've talked. Um, yeah, but, about two years, I think. Yeah, yeah, it's been been some time. Now, of course, you know we always start off by giving our fans this opportunity to really get to know who you are, both as an artist and as a person. And the best way to do that is to look at your journey. So, give us the story. Of Peter Vitesca. I'll do quick and abbreviated. I was 12 years old. I, I got my first guitar, which I purchased myself from a press route. And then I was in the, uh, my first performance was at 14 and a half years old at a block party. Then we started playing high schools and all that stuff. And then bars and clubs up until about 20 years old. I quit the music scene. I was a bit disenchanted with it. And um, Back in 08, 09, when the economy tanked, you know, I was really busy with my own business. And then uh, I, re- I kind of reconnected with uh, music and my guitar. Well, I shouldn't say I reconnected with music. I've always stayed on top of music and listened to music. Uh, just some of my musical tastes changed. And I got back into it. I formulated uh, Peter Vitesca Blues Train, which was initially Peter V Blues Train, back in 2013. Uh, I think we released our first album late 2014 early 2015 and here we are fast forward with our seventh release full tilt okay now uh let's talk about this particular release when you were putting this together what was the inspiration that drove this into existence well, you know, our last two CDs, CDs uh, the fifth and sixth one, uh, especially the last one, so far so good, did really well on the music scene. And um, I, I always try to create something from a musical standpoint regarding recording an album um, that's a little different from what I've previously done and also uh, better as far as uh, from my songwriting perspective, my guitar playing, my singing, always pushing the envelope and always trying to improve things and and fine-tune and look for the sound and hone it and um i think on this album the inspiration was just different things in life different aspects of life um you know i wrote these songs in in the period of about seven to eight months and um i get ideas and they come really quick and um then i you know record it and i work on it a little for a couple of weeks and i really fine-tune it and it comes out the way I want it and on this particular album the first album where with the exception of one song which was a um I I co-wrote with Jen Barnes I did all the lyrics on this on uh seven of the original eight tracks and on the eighth one um I wasn't wrong which was uh, Jen Barnes and I uh she wrote the lyrics and the singing melody and I wrote all the music to it so uh the inspiration was just life in general and being aware of uh, what we're doing musically and trying to connect like that and uh, pushing it a little bit too. This particular album we recorded uh, pretty much all the tracks live and then there was some overdub. So I want to capture a live feel instead of doing a live album. Okay. Well, let's talk a little bit about you as a songwriter and, and how you go about uh, approaching that process. When you sit down to do, you know, to write, what what is your mechanism that allows you to tap into the muse? 
So most songs don't have an exact format as other songs. It does vary from time to time, but typically uh, I don't sit down to write a song. I, I'm doing something uh, else. I'm distracted by doing something else, and this, this idea or thought comes in my head. And it could sometimes be a, a song that I hear on the radio or I'm listening to, and it's, it turns out it's somewhat different than that song, but there's one quality or component in that song that inspires me. And I give an idea, I quickly, you know, either record it if I'm uh, by a guitar, I do a little guitar recording, or if I'm not by a guitar, I'll hump something uh, melodically into the phone, rhythmically, or whatever, and that's how it starts. And then, uh, usually the process, once you get an idea for a song, it comes very quickly for me. It's just fine-tuning it, it takes a, a few weeks, but uh, the whole uh we had a song uh, last week uh, that was number one on the blues RMR and was Take Back What You Own. And I remember how that song evolved. It really came to me like I was watching a commercial uh, on TV and I just picked up the guitar and I got like two of the main parts and there was only one other part I had to add and that, that song came very quickly, literally within 30 minutes. And um, that's that. So Okay. Now, you know... Uh, uh, <laughs> A lot of songwriters have their own toolkit, whether it's uh, just a pen and paper or they utilize some of the technology today, like a cell phone for capturing ideas or even a home recording studio. What are some of the Mm -hmm. tools you have found to be um, indispensable to you as a writer? I think having a cell phone these days uh, replaces the small portable tape recorder I used to always use when I got uh, musical ideas. And so I just used the cell phone because it's got a recording app on it and it works really well. And uh, you could also, um, it comes out dated and where it also comes out with a location. So if I'm in a particular area, I'll remember it by that and then I just make some kind of notation to it. So yeah, that's how, that's really how it comes. But typically it, when I write a song, I, I probably didn't uh, go into full detail on my previous response. Um, I do the music first. So I do um, the accompaniment, which is uh, the arrangement and the song with the chords and all that. And then uh, the, um, the melody for the vocal lines, I start working on that. And the way I start working on that, I, I come up with a theme for the song, what, what I think I'm gonna name the song. And I come up with a catchphrase and it evolves all around that. And then late, the last thing is the lyrics. So a lot of times when we're doing these um, a recording live in the studio, I'm just sometimes just singing a chorus or a bridge and then I'm just like chatting around and just calling out the changes and you know we go in the studio really not that prepared and that's the whole concept and idea to how my approach because uh, I don't like stuff overly rehearsed I really don't want it rehearsed at all almost just some familiarity with it as far as arrangements I actually call out the arrangements when we're recording and then he takes out my uh, vocal line and then i just re-record that when i got the lyrics so that's how it goes that's pretty much how it goes and in that process it's me the guitarist and a keyboard player okay now um 
let's talk a little bit about when do you when is a song done uh, a lot of artists have their own way of determining you know when a song is ready to move from one phase to another going from you know the writing phase into production what is your quantifier right. that that you use to determine when a song is ready to move well uh, as i said earlier i write the song and I get all the parts together, then I work on the arrangement, you know, whether it's a verse, intro, you know, all that stuff, bridge, chorus, and then I got to uh, figure out the, the solos. Is usually a guitar solo in every song, not on this album, there's some that wasn't. Uh, and um, so once I figure out the arrangement and then I'm happy with it, I play it back and I work on it and then I present it to the band live in the studio. And we like rehearse it once, and then we do like two takes and we usually wind up using the better of the two takes and once or twice on this past album just because there's a simplicity to the music sometimes being blues um we actually use the original just like rehearsal track it came out so good we were just feeling it and um that's how it goes so once once it hits that then we have the basic tracks down and then i work on the lyrics and my vocal lines i usually do a few takes and it's at a later period and then i do my guitar solos at a later period because i like to overdub the guitar and i like to listen to the song in its raw state kind of and just like start to feel out how i'm going to approach everything you know i don't have like preconceived notions on everything and I'm not always that impulsive so um, I can be but you know I, I find if I work on things and just experiment a little uh, the result can be better so that's my approach okay now um, one of the biggest um uh, buzzwords right now in the industry is artificial intelligence and it's it's here it's it's going to be part of our everyday life if not already uh, but for the songwriter musician there have been some interesting tools that have been brought down the pike um, to make our lives a little bit easier I guess um, you know there are li- there are tools to write lyrics there are tools to help with uh, chord progressions melody lines bass lines uh, even um, uh, orchestrations and beats where do you see artificial intelligence and its influence affecting the industry as we move forward yeah I'm sure it's going to affect the industry moving forward but I can only speak from my perspective, and I can tell you this. Um, I am anti-technology uh, in that respect, and I think the more we rely on technology, the further we, we move away from the soul and the heart. Um, I'll give you an example. I, uh, unlike a lot of musicians, I have a full-time job. I'm a self-employed uh, business person. I do architecture and woodworking, and I'm one of the few that doesn't use a computer a CAD program to design the stuff. I have the capability of just design it, designing it all from pencil and paper with a, a sketch table. And it gives me a lot more flexibility and my work looks different as a result because it's not being designed by preconceived uh, uh, ratios and designs. And it's the same approach with the music. Yeah, on this particular album, I even uh, have a, a slight line or disclaimer on the liner notes that no guitar pedals we use because I know there's guitarists out there 
that have a, a whole host of panels that they like to use for different effects and different sounds. And that's their journey, that's what they're into, and that's cool. I don't criticize that. But for me personally, I just feel the more technology and machinery you use, the more you get away from the heart and the soul of the music. And I want my music to come across soulful. I think it's got to come from deep within. And, you know, you start relying on technology, you start sounding uh, much different. And I, I'm not into that sound at all. And that works for, like, pop music and stuff like that. But I think for the blues, it's got to be, like, you know, a big daughter roll. It's got to come from the soul, and you got to feel it. And it's mostly feeling. It's not, like, technical stuff. So... So that's my response. Okay. Yeah, no, that's fair enough. Now, um, let's talk about getting it out there. Once you get it, you know, written and recorded and you get it out there, um, you got to create, you know, uh, your team. And you're working with um, Betsy Brown from Blind Raccoon. Tell me about that relationship. Well, Betsy um, and I, uh, this is the fifth, fifth program I think she's working on, fifth project fifth album and uh you know she's i think she's the best in the business uh, as far as uh blues promo uh goes radio promo and stuff like that and doing this kind of stuff setting up interviews for me um and then you know she partnered with uh sally from blue heart mm-hmm. and my last two albums have been on blue heart so uh, this is a blue heart product which is a joint venture with her and sally and you know they each have a role and uh, Betsy really does the, the radio promotion stuff and all that and Sally runs other aspects of the business and I think they make a great team and they've been uh, it's worked out very well for me I've been fortunate to uh, work with both of them so um, that's that okay now um, let's talk um about the industry a little bit you know one of the things that i've noticed is that a lot of musicians don't really have a defined definition of what success is in the music industry now you've been around a while you've you know you're out there you're touring how do you define your success in in music industry and where do you find yourself on that timeline I think you got to define, I define uh, success as far as uh, probably when when you're out somewhere playing in a venue, whether it's a small venue that has maybe 40, 50 people or an outdoor venue that has hundreds or thousands of people, um, you, you see the reaction of the people and how they react and connect with your music. And it's a positive experience, which is usually what I experience. Um, then you know you, you're doing something right and you're connecting and your music is being um, accepted in a positive way. And I think the other way for me is, you know, if we release an album and um, it's well received by the DJs and it gets a lot of airplay and it charts well, that's also an indicator Obviously, you know, you have an advantage working with someone like Betsy and Sally um, as far as getting it out there, but ultimately the music's got to have some legs to it, otherwise the DJs won't repeatedly keep playing it. So, um, and I've had luck uh, in that department as well. And plus I get I get nice messages uh, either on Facebook, private messages, I get some email messages on my website, 
and I have a lot of activity. We built a new website last year, and there's a lot of activity on that website. And um, we've had uh, on this particular album, this definitely the the sales are the best on this album. I mean, just um, we've we've charted well on uh, uh, Amazon sales and so forth, uh, like unlike before. And you know, I was number one, number two, number five, whatever in certain categories: contemporary blues, new contemporary blues albums. And this is, you know, right there with Joe Bonamassa and whoever out, you know, whoever Kingfish, all the big blues acts out there, who I respect and admire. But you know, everybody's on their own, you know, doing their own thing on their own journey musically, and this is how I approach it. And you know, I have to be cognizant of the fact that. Unlike some of these guys, they're full-time musicians. I'm still doing a full-time job, you know, with my other stuff, and I and I like it. I like the the challenge of it and uh, the involvement of it, and it, it creates a good distraction in a positive way. That I have this music thing, and it, and, and I try to use it in a good way, and uh, I also try uh, to support other musicians in whatever capacity I can. And I like on this particular album, as the last album, you know, I had a few guest musicians. I think I'd like to mention them. And I had a, a, a lady singer by the name of Jen Barnes, Miss Mrs. Jenny Barnes, and um, uh, she sang on three three tracks. I've had uh, guest musicians like Mikey Jr. Uh, doing some co-vocals and some great harmonica work. Um, our uh, bass player of the last two and a half albums was Kumo G. He uh, had to uh, quit the band uh, three quarters of the way in into the studio. You know, he had two grandchildren born in the last year or two, and uh, he really just wanted to focus on enjoying that time. So we brought in two different bass players: Rick Prince, great bass player, and uh, Chuck Kern, who's looking to be more of the, the, the steady bass player for us. He has a very aggressive approach, and we like his style of playing. And they're all great bass players. They all just have a slightly different style. Some a little more finesse, some a little more. You know, aggressive, and um, so I think success is you know connecting with your audience, your crowd, see how they interact, but also connecting with other musicians and how you interact on stage and create magic on stage too, which is uh, what I try to do. Um, I, I, music has to be fresh, you know. It, it, can't, it can't be over rehearsed or keep playing the same song to get a bit sterile. And music's a creative process, and creativity likes to be free and to be able to flourish, you know, and not just be regimented in a certain type of way. So okay. I hope I'm explaining myself. Yeah, yeah, no, it made sense. Now, um, we all know that the consumer today has embraced streaming as a way to consume music. And, you know, it is, you know, uh, it is what it is, I guess. Uh, the the upside of that is that we have access now to this worldwide market of potential fans. And if you're not part of this and people come looking for you and you're not there, you automatically become irrelevant. You you have to participate. The The biggest problem with that is that, number one, we're not getting the uh, a fair compensation for the amount of content that mm-hmm. we're putting up. Right. On top of mm-hmm. that, the consumer today doesn't even look at recorded music as something to purchase. It has lost its status as a product. 
it's now right. a service. Um, and, you right. know, if, like I said, if you're not participating, you know, you become irrelevant. Right. How is this yep. shift in perception by the consumer affected you as an artist? Yes, and as you well stated, it's a necessary evil, right, if you want to thrive in this business. And I, I read a, a good article about a year ago where they compared, uh, for example, Spotify as a utility bill. It's just become a utility bill in someone's, uh, you know, life, right? They pay $20 a month and they have access to all this music. Uh, so it's not like an individual purchase or whatever. Um, I will say this. Um, I'm surprised that this album, this new album that was released just about 13 days ago 15 days ago um is has pretty robust uh cd sales and download sales but we also you know we get a lot of activity on spotify my last album got uh just over 150,000 streams on spotify and you know we have about i think 4,500 uh listeners uh per month something like that uh on the average so um and what happens with that, because I have the app, the artist app for Spotify, it shows me, it gives you the, the, the breakdown and the demographics of uh, who's listening to your music, what, what country, what state, what city, and the type of people, and how it's being uh, listened to. And, you know, our songs have gotten picked up and put on a multiple playlists. So it gets out there, and the key is, you know, people like something that... They're going to support it, you know. Not everybody's, you know, a lot of people will just listen to the, the free, you know, streaming service. Free as far, you know, I consider it free because what it pays out is so minimal. But um, I do get some money from that, but it's, it's, it's very small. And um, I think I lost my train of thought. But I think, um, like you said, you, you, you need to be on on these uh, streaming services if you want um, to have a larger market. And we do have an international market. I mean, my music's getting played, I think, in 14 or 15 countries. You know, Israel's playing my music, even with everything that's going on there. Israel, Italy, uh, Netherlands, you know, all the countries. Australia, uh, Germany, UK, France, um, Mexico, Argentina, um, Scotland, Ireland. Canada, Mexico. So, okay. So well, I, that's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing that you know you're getting it out there, and and not everything in life. And and I say this because you know music is not my primary source of income. Not everything is motivated by uh, a financial reward. It's nice to get it, but it's not completely imperative. Well, I know. I mean, a lot of musicians, they, they work off the principle, it's not about the income, it's about the outcome. And, you know, right. and, which I, I, I can understand, and, you know, I do a lot of my, you know, um, a lot of things in my life, you know, based on that same kind of principle. But, you know... Um, this guy, uh, Daniel Elk, who owns Spotify, uh, it just came out that, you know, he's worth $5 billion. Um, you yeah. know, poor McCartney is, you know, is about, you know, $975 million is his worth. You know, to have someone who has spent 60 years in a career um, and then someone who's only been around for, you know, maybe 15 years... Um, 
you know, have five times the amount of wealth, you know, utilizing, you know, the the music that um, artists are creating to to, right. to create that wealth right. by never and, and never and once, you know, writing a single note or lyric. Uh, I right. think that there's a problem with that dynamic. In yeah. fact, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, and and Spotify just came out that in 2024, uh, what they're going to do is they're instituting a new policy that if you have less than a thousand streams a year, you will no you will no longer get any royalties whatsoever, uh, and those royalties right. will roll up into you know to the right. record companies. Right, um, right. And, and they're saying you're not worth their while, right? So uh, right, right. All, but you know if you're if you're putting your content up there and you're and they're utilizing that content on their service, then you should be paid, whether it's a nickel or it's a dime or whatever it is, you should be paid. And, but in, and I think if it was a nickel for content, musicians would be a lot happier. Well, yeah, and but they say that <laughs> it, it takes that. it takes 200 plays to, to get a nickel. It, that's what they're saying, which I think that there's a, a problem there, because I don't think it takes 200 plays. I think it's... And, and I would substitute the word exploit, is what he does. Yeah, you exactly. Know, he, exploits, he exploits musicians, and it's not right. But you know what? I, I don't want to spend, you know, I'm 64 years old. I want to enjoy most of the remainder of my life, the next 20, 30, 40 years, whatever I got left. And, you know, I, I can get upset about this stuff or I can just accept the reality. And it, I think, you know, uh, politicians in Congress need to, you know, address this and how um, music is, is extremely unfair, the compensation. I mean, it's just ridiculous. The guy makes no investment from from the recording process and cultivating artists. He, he provides a platform, of course, and whatever marketing and advertising goes into that. But, yeah, it's... And I think he was only worth three... It's not only... He was worth three and a half billion like 18 months ago. So, you know, his net worth is growing quite quickly. Right. And, and again, he's doing it off the backs of musicians. And yes. the, the, the problem that I see is that this is not sustainable as a business model for the music industry as a whole. We cannot yeah. keep going like this and not at least give the independent artist a chance to at least break even. Instead of making a thousand stream cap saying that these artists don't make enough money to make it worth our while to pay them then mm-hmm. you know then pay them more pay them what the, their content is really worth and then yeah. you yeah. know then it will be worth it why cut them off and then funnel that and we're not talking pennies here we're talking yep. millions of dollars that if right. you you take all of the artists that are you know all those nickels and dimes and you add them up they come to millions of dollars if you think about it you know the the statistic is that there are at least 20,000 songs a week being uploaded to Spotify 
Yeah. You know, it's if staggering, right? Right. And you know, and most of them are not going to get that thousand streams, you know, annually. You know, so all of that money is being funneled back to where? To the corporate um entities like record companies. So, you know, right. this is this is a problem. And uh, and we yes, need to somehow is. address this. You know? I, I agree with you 100%. Uh, in the interim, I'm not going to, you know, lose sleep over it. Um, <laughs> and uh, only because, not that I don't care. It's just, you know, for, for me to invest uh, angst over this is going to affect the quality of my life. So I've at, at this time, I've come to accept it. And um, if there's a movement that goes forward down the road, I, I will try to be involved in that. And... Um, I, I won't be the catalyst for that um, once again because I'm not a full-time musician but I support musicians and I and I could feel for them just as I want to be compensated you know it costs money to, to produce a good high quality recording it, it's not $5,000 or $10,000 it costs me a lot more than that and um, so I make the investment and then you have to you know all the other things that go with it so um, yeah are we solely motivated by money? No, I doubt it. Um, music is about uh, something that you want to create. We leave a legacy of um, music for future generations, hopefully, and hopefully the generation now enjoys it. And that's it. It's art. You know, we're, we're in a period where art is not that well respected. You know, there's, there's funding from, uh, from Washington that cut PBS funding. You know, that's art. And so, you know, there's time. There's different periods in time where art was valued more. Right now, it's not. So, oh, yeah, and I agree and with I've you. I've had 100%. this conversation with everyone. I used to play small gigs in the '70s and make more money then than I do now. So, unless I'm doing a nice festival. So, yep. Now, um, one of the things that um, I've been watching is um, there is some new technology coming down the pike. And I preface this with, if you look at the digital revolution and how it has progressed over the last 30 years, one of the things that you notice is that every time a company dominates the music industry, there is another company that comes down the pike and usurps that and replaces it in that in that timeline uh limewire was replaced replaced by napster napster was replaced by itunes you know itunes was replaced by spotify with the way spotify is is dealing with artists today it only stands to reason that artists are going to start looking for other platforms to utilize that treat them more fairly and one of the platforms right. that I'm watching is there are streaming platforms that have been developed that utilize the uh, software technology that cryptocurrency uses called the blockchain uh, one of those is mm -hmm. Audius and is um, there's uh, Audio Lux. There's quite a few of them out there that are um, being developed or are developed that that um, utilize this this technology. And one of the big advantages of this is that they are decentralized. In other words, no one company or um, 
or person can own the service. It is owned by the users that pay for the service and by the artists who put up their content. And because of that, it only takes 20% of the incoming revenue to run the service. The other 80% is funneled directly back to the artist. What do you think of that as a potential for the future of the industry? Well, anything that lowers the overhead and and gives the artists more money makes sense to me, of course, you know. But unfortunately, you know, the the model that Spotify uses um, as a business model, not so much as a, a entertainment model, is where a CEO of a company is extremely wealthy and, you know, the lower level guys are making $15 an hour and they, they help create that business and support it and make it run. So the disparity in wealth um, is increasing. So it's unfortunate. And I, I don't know if I can do anything about that. So I just live in the world that I live in. And mm-hmm. But that makes a lot of sense. Sure, of course. If, if, a, if a musician can make more money and get uh, paid more appropriately for their streaming uh, versus Spotify or the other streaming services that exist now, of course, we would all support that. So, Okay. Now, uh, before the pandemic, um, content creation and, and social media was important to independent artists to kind of get the word out and promote themselves and so on and so forth. Once the pandemic hit, that whole world got accelerated. Um, We had to get up on the internet and and connect with our fan base. Uh, We started doing live streams, and as the months turned into years, that content became more personal. We began to, you know, showcase our families, our pets, our barnyard animals, our our excursions and, and hobbies and so on and so forth. And it became a branding opportunity as well as a way to um, let artists let fans know that you know they're you know they're part of our world uh, what are some of the things you are doing with social media and content that's helping you get the word out on this new release so um, yes I of course I'm on Facebook very active on Facebook and um, on Instagram as well I don't do Twitter and um, all of that contributes to um, uh, more awareness of my band and um, increasing sales and having more people come out to see you when you perform somewhere. So yeah, I'm, I'm very proactive with the social media stuff. Okay. Well, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you on and talk to you. And uh, we're going to give everyone out there an Indie Blues double shot from your new release. You guys are going to love this. You know what? Screw the neighbors. We're going to have some fun tonight. <laughs> hey, Richard, before we tune out, yeah, can I say something? Sure. I'd like to give a shout out to all uh, the guys in my band, Alex Diagnos, the drummer, who's the only original original member left and our bass player Chuck Hearn on bass and Kumoji that played with us for a while and our keyboard player Jeff Levine who's played on our last three and a half albums uh, terrific all great musicians and uh, real camaraderie with them as well alright this doesn't happen without them thank you great talking to you
artist or a fan that loves them, makingascene.org is the place for you. For the music fan, we bring you in-depth interviews and CD reviews from artists who are on the cutting edge of original music. For the independent artist, we bring you articles on music business, recording techniques, 
gear reviews, and interviews with industry professionals that give you real-world information to help you negotiate the new realities in the music industry and give you the tools you need to move your career to the next level. We bring you new content every day. Makingascene.org is the number one resource for the independent artists and the fans that love them. Head on over and become part of the Indie Revolution.
sit here now and I watch the days go past. The referee, he done count at a ten. Try to get back up, but fall back down again. Said he'd be right there for me. Now I need him most, and he can't be. Life is a cruel, twisted bitch that way, and I'm sick and tired of the games it likes to play. So now I'm done playing life's games. Throwing in my Going home Life will pull the rug Out from under you, my friend While you're on the ground It'll kick you once again You can try to cheat it You can try to lie Somehow it knows And it'll knock you down aside So now I'm done Playing life's games I'm throwing in my cards I'm not running this race Wish everybody Would just leave me alone Well I'm checking out I ain't never going home Out from 
listen to the message Believe me, every word is true
for you, baby Now my heart seems to tell the whole story Storm's coming. You can just pull up your shows, curl up in a duvet, maybe even draw up a bath and see where the night takes you. That sounds real nice.
you realize how could there possibly be this many blues
I guess there just aren't enough rocks. Oh, how I'm suffering And my mind
always thought about it, but now we're going a little different. Can be hard to get my head around, but a rewrite. Oh, yeah, we ride so hard every day and every night. We get down, we get down every night, and every day it goes around, it goes around. Even the rain will bring the shine. Don't get down, don't get down. It's alright. Oh, 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 yeah, we ride. Yeah, oh. Every time I look out my window, I saw rain. Yeah, I thought this storm would blow over. It ain't that way. I always thought.
Here's the blues scale. Now you sing it with me. Breathe. Love. 
try it like this.
in a smoke-filled nightclub on the edge of town. It's a pleasant environment, but uh, but in the 21st century, uh, you know, you don't even have to leave the couch. Just turn on the TV and commercials or as theme songs, you will see and hear the blues are everywhere. I'm Elwood. Oh, oh, oh. 
that's it. That's my show for tonight. I hope you enjoyed yourself. I hope you heard some artists that you didn't know about and enjoyed some artists that you did. And remember, all of these artists that I played on this show are out there right now, touring and creating new original music rooted in the blues. If you want to keep the blues alive, you have to support the artists who are out there creating that new music. Because it is a living art form that is being performed every single night somewhere in the world. So, if you get a chance, stop by our website at makingthescene.org. You can find out about some great new artists and the ones that we played on the show tonight. Add them to your playlist. And you can discover them on our website. So, till next time, this is Lahamadou. Tech, I'm out of here. Baby, just gone away. Doctor things left on with my friend. I gone, lost my dog, I'm alone. Just fought somebody. I mean, found it funny. I got knocked in the head, man, by old friends. I lie me and think I'm dead. Drink so long. Gonna drink for the old time. Gonna keep back in the sea. Stop!